Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you. Fearsome, generous, humble, and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet at this table for an hour to experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other through our joys and lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there are some things we just don't talk about. But here, we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share some aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston, and webcast worldwide on the internet at RadioFairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, you can catch our archive, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. podcast on my media room at tyragarlington.com, on TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. Or if you just feel like connecting with me offline, you know that's easy too. It's tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme, and for naming it, I'm Listening. Last year... Globally, our world was challenged in a way it had been, hadn't been for over a hundred years. An invisible enemy invaded our privacy, our routines, our expectations, and our hopes. Here in the United States, we began to see evidence of unparalleled challenge to our healthcare systems, our economy, and to wonder if our democracy would be strong enough to withstand the attacks on our Constitution. We began to use a more, more frequently a vocabulary that incited combative emotions. Perhaps some of you like me have felt mental and emotional uncertainty and rest. It seemed that everything that could be shaken was shaking, where noise, angry noise, seemed to be drowning out our laughter and love. And yet, some of us were having a much greater, yet much less obvious challenge. Consider this. When Tanya was 13, she met Eddie, a pseudonym, at the apartment where she was living with her mother in Dallas, Texas. His estranged wife was the property manager. Tanya was classmates with Eddie's stepdaughter. So the two would often see each other at the apartment and in the local grocery store. It was there that the first exchanged numbers. 
It was a casual relationship at first. You could see there was a mutual connection. I thought he was cute, Tonya said. I could tell he was really flirtatious with me. We would talk and flirt a lot. But it was not much more than that. Until we met again and I was 15. Things began to change one night when Tonya ran into Eddie at a bar. The two reconnected and flirting picked up right where it was and where it had left off. Tonya went home with Eddie that night. Tonya was a runaway at that time. So she eventually moved in with Eddie and the two began a relationship. It was a quote normal arrangement at first. Tonya would cook, clean, and look after Eddie's kids from time to time. However, it was when the two were at a party filled with alcohol and drugs that the relationship took a turn. Quote, he approached me and told me in so many words, I want you to have sex with this guy for money. Tonya said, I was very uncomfortable and I kept saying no, I didn't want to do it. He kept telling me. If you love me, you will do this. It's just one thing. Just try it. After nearly 30 minutes of constant pressure, Tonya agreed to have sex with the man. What she thought would be a one-time thing became an everyday routine for the next few weeks. Night after night and bar after bar, Tonya would go out with Eddie while he advertised her to potential suitors. Tonya thought she loved him. She felt she could deal with the physical toll of the trafficking. It turned out the hardest part to deal with was the emotional and psychological effects. Human trafficking cases have risen 185% compared to this time last year, one human rights organization says. Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act, according to the Department of Homeland Security. It's a topic we don't talk about at dinner. And maybe if we're parents or caregivers or children or someone who cares about the future, we should. About 10,000 children a year suffer the horrors of commercial sexual exploitation in the United States. Each victim, on average, is forced to have sex more than five times a day. Yet the buyers who fuel the sex trade are seldom held accountable. Most just blend back into their families, jobs, and neighborhood. But consider this. At night, the ocean can be a huge dark place. When riding the seas, you never know for sure if the water will be calm or turbulent. You never know if you will drift off course or run aground. That is why there are lighthouses. When ships lose their way, they're guided by the lighthouse. When there is trouble or danger at the sea, you can seek refuge by the lighthouse. During a storm, the lighthouse will always guide the ship safely to shore. Best of all, there is always someone in the lighthouse waiting. Your challenge is to be that someone. Be a lighthouse. 
Let everything you do be of service to someone. Be a lighthouse keeper. Be on the lookout for lost souls. Be alert to those who may be in need and have nowhere to go or no way to get there. Be a lighthouse to a child. Guide a child. Protect a child. You don't have to say much. Just let the child know you are there should the need arise. And maybe you can prevent Atonia. My guest at the table today is not new to Frankly Speaking or to today's topic. He's a lighthouse keeper in the human trafficking space. And I am grateful. I'm going to let my guest at the table, Mr. Bill Wolf, founder and chief operating officer of Anti-Traffic International, bring you into the human trafficking conversation by sharing his journey and his growing commitment to this space. Things have changed since Bill was here in 2018, so let's listen and learn things. Bill, the mic is yours. Tyra, thank you so much, and I really appreciate being able to to be on your show and and be at the table with with all of your listeners. And things have changed. Last time I was with you, uh, I was uh, in in the role of executive director at the Just Ask Prevention Project, and that organization since that time has really grown, has gone international, and taken on a new name of Anti Trafficking International. But before I get to how that happened. I'd like to tell a little bit about how we got here in yes. the first place. And the first thing that I'd like to share is that, you know, first and foremost, everything in my life revolves around my six children. I'm so proud of them, and, and they drive me and my work in, in so many different ways, and I hope to share a little bit about that tonight. Okay. But I really, I really started my career as a police officer uh, in Northern Virginia, and right out of college, Started as a patrol officer, eventually went on to be a gang investigator when I came across my first case of human trafficking. And I have to tell you, Tyra, I didn't know what it was uh-huh. at the time. I hadn't been trained. Gotcha. And we encountered a 16-year-old girl that was being exploited by a gang in Northern Virginia. And we went to the prosecutor the next morning. We said, this is what we found. And the prosecutor said, I think you've got a great human trafficking case. And I looked at my partner, and we looked at the prosecutor. We said, what the heck is human trafficking? Mm-hmm. Had no idea. And I think it's so right what you were saying. You know, it's not something we talk about at the dinner table. It's not conversations that we're having. And my question is, why? Why are we not talking about this? And so that one incident really changed the course of my career. And I really started to look at this issue and begin to understand how prevalent it was. But not just that it was prevalent, but that it was happening right in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. It's happening in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And the, the traffickers, the exploiters, were able to take advantage of people, just like Tanya. As you were, as you were telling that story, I was like, oh, my goodness. I've, so many cases that I worked were, were just like her story. Mm-hmm. And I remember working those cases 
one after another. And it really did come back to my children because as I sat across that interview table, as I interviewed these these young people, both boys and girls, okay, uh-huh. I, re- I remember thinking, what if this was my child? What can I do as a father to protect my child? And that really shifted my focus away from just going after and holding offenders accountable, which is important, mm-hmm. and we have to hold offenders accountable. But really thinking about how do we prevent this from happening? How do we stop it before it starts? Mm-hmm. And with that, I founded the Just Ask Prevention Project with really that goal of, of prevention. And that really set my course or the, uh, the course of my life on a, on a path that I never would have thought. If you would have told me when I joined the police department that I would end up founding and running a nonprofit organization, I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> but that's where I found myself and started doing some great work, had an incredible team of passionate people, and we were going out and we were literally saving lives. I remember one of the last cases that I worked before I left the police department. That's one of the reasons why I decided to leave the police department was a young lady by the name of Maria. Maria was 17 years old, and the story was was very similar. She met a boy a little bit older than her. Mm -hmm. He started talking to her. She thought they were dating, that they were in a relationship, that he loved her. And then he came to her with a similar question that Tanya had. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, I, I can't pay my rent. And I need help. I need money. And she said, well, what can I do to help? And he said, well, I need $1,000. She said, well, I don't have it. You know, I I can't give you $1,000. My parents would find out. I would get in trouble. It would cause a lot of problems. And then he said those magic words, don't you love me? Mm. And we forget, I think, sometimes, especially, and this is really important. And I want to speak to fathers for a second and just tell them how important it is to tell your children that you love them. Because when it's somebody else that's using those words and they're using it for bad purposes, yes, yes, bad things happen. And so this in the same case, he, you know, he was grooming her into it and convinced her that this is what she needed to do if she really loved him. And if she didn't do it, then their relationship was over. He was going to have to move out of the area. All of their hopes and dreams would be gone. And so by the grace of God, He said, we're going to do this tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. She went home. She went to school the next day, and she sat through a class that our organization, Just Ask Prevention, put on around informing young people about human trafficking for prevention. Oh, amazing. She was empowered and and identified what was happening. She was empowered to go home, tell her mom what happened. And her mom called the police. I was the detective that responded. And we were able to interdict that situation. We were able to hold the offender accountable. And Maria was never actually trafficked. Now, I, want, I, to, I, want, I want to put, there's so many, oh, my gosh. I, I, I got to stop. <laughs> I just have to stop you for a minute. I'm yeah. sure it is, it is clear to our audience that your passion became your purpose. It is also clear that you are a loving father. And one, I just 
salute you for saying I want to talk to fathers. And I am a daddy's little girl. My father's been dead forever. I am still a daddy's little girl. And when you said, uh, he said the words, don't you love me, fathers, make sure your daughters know you love, let, they, let them hear those words from you. They need something to have as a boundary and as a foundation in daddy's love. And the other thing, the other two things, grooming. As you talk about, talk about grooming uh, because I don't think we attach that word to what happened to Tonya and Maria. Uh, and so I'm, I'm finished with my interruption. No. So, and, and you're right. I mean, grooming is so important to understand because it can seem so harmless at first. Yes. Especially among our teenagers. You know, we we think, oh, it's cute that they have, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend for the first time in their life, you know, mm-hmm. and oh, this, this back and forth. And But what we don't realize is that particularly talk about how things have changed, particularly with the technology, with yes. the cell phones and the, the texting and all this stuff, right? These, these tra- It's not like, Howard, you and I were growing up, you know, if, if we were dating somebody and we were going to have a conversation, it was from the phone that was in the kitchen that was <laughs> yes. a cord, you know? <laughs> yeah, a phone with a cord, guys. There That's used right. to be phones <laughs> with cords. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, you knew somebody could be listening in or, or mom or dad was in the other room. And now they, they can text in secrecy and they have these, you know, these apps, apps like uh, Snapchat where it deletes the message right after you read it. And right. All this craziness, you know. And so they use that, this constant bombarding them and making them feel like they're loved. And I have to tell you, you know, the pandemic that hopefully we're, we're now coming out of and, and, and getting out of this, but that's only made things worse. I believe it. So many people, you know, people have been isolated and they've only, and, and these, these traffickers, these exploiters, they've used that opportunity to just groom young people and just talk to them, you know, not even talk to them, text them and send them messages back and forth all day long, Mm -hmm. grooming them and making them feel like they're loved, but it's all a lie. It's all a lie. And that's why, Again, you know, I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but it's so important to me, and that is that parents need to understand you got to be involved in, in your kids' lives. you got to know who they're talking to and what they're talking about, and you've got to have this very difficult conversation that human trafficking is real, and it is impacting every community across America. And we want to uh, – you taught me something on our last conversation, but before we say that uh, – Social media, pandemic, isolated everybody. Technology became a blessing and a curse because then social media became that way into that child's home and heart. They didn't have necessarily peers to bounce it off of in a way that would raise a uh, red flag. But um, my thought, you said, parents, you've got to know what your kids are doing, and I'm backing that out. Parents, you've got to have an ongoing relationship with your Amen. children, an authentic, open relationship, and that is hard. 
that is hard because it's intergenerational. You bring into the table what you did, what you thought was right. We got to listen. We have to intentionally listen to our children because they're telling us. They're telling us their story. And, and so I, I'm on my soapbox now because I'm really into intergenerational communication because our kids are becoming lost at sea. And so I'm big on, and obviously, Bill, you have a relationship with your kids. And you were able to say, how do I do this to keep my children? And so what I want you to include in your conversation is, how did your children respond to this? So it's, it's been an interesting journey. I remember uh, years ago, so my oldest is, is now 16, but he was nine years old at the time. And, you know, I was a detective. We were working lots of cases. I was always on the phone and talking about this human trafficking, human trafficking. I remember my, my son and I were alone in the car. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we were going, but I was on, on a work call. I just hung up, and I remember him looking at me, and he goes, Dad, what's human trafficking? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, my goodness, how do I explain this to a nine-year-old? So I remember fumbling and, and trying to explain. And my son stopped me. And I have to tell you, Tyra, you know sometimes there's people say things to you, and, and the words are just embedded in your brain yes. and, and drive you. This was one of that moments. I remember my son stopped me. He looked at me and he goes, Dad, I think what you're trying to say is you stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves. I love it. I, I said, son, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I and it was it. those, and that drives me, the words of my nine-year-old son telling me, you know what, in those moments, and it's not to say that these people aren't able to, but sometimes we all need help yes. to get through something in our lives. Yes. And there's no shame in asking for help. And it's about empowering people. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what my career, what my professional life has become about, is how do I empower others? Yes, yes, me too, yeah. And I think um, one of the reasons I love what I do on this show is because once a week I get to remind people that they are worthy. They have a right they need to refuse to be refused. And, and I end my show with that. But all I am is one person praying that it hits the ears of at least one person that needed to hear it. So, yeah, empower. Empower could be our code word. Absolutely. But I like what your son said better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the wisdom of our, our youth sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's when he was nine, and that's not too early for the occurrence. But what about your older, as they got older, how did you continue the conversation? Because this is your life. So they, they are experiencing it secondhand. So what happens in your house as an example for others? So we have, we have open conversations to the best that we can. Okay. And this is one thing. I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. You know, you you pointed out, Tyra, teenagers are difficult to talk to. Yes. I mean, they're just, you know. Mm-hmm. If they talk at we're all. We're going in one direction. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, but you have to take those moments. So my, you know, my son, for example, 
uh, he is he is into shoes, tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I could care less. I you know I want what what's on clearance is what I wear. Uh, you know, and, and but he's all into the, you know, what are the latest and the greatest tennis shoes that are out there. And, you know, so I said to him this week, I said, son, you know what? I said, let's go. There's a new store that opened up in the mall that has all of these fancy shoes. And I said, you know what? Let's go on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You and I, we're going to go and we're going to go to that store. And we're going to look at those shoes. Now, Tyra, I, I <laughs> don't have any interest in looking at those shoes. If I'm being honest with you. <laughs> But, but you love your son. You love your son. It's a, that's right. It's an opportunity c- to connect. And I think we have to take those little moments, those yes. little wins. Yeah. And let me add one piece to that. It's important that when we take those little moments, we do it together. Mm-hmm. I see so many parents that are like, oh, well, my child's into so-and-so. You know, oh, they're into shoes, so I'm going to buy them, you know, a $500 pair of shoes. I'm just going to guess, based on my experience, it's probably going to mean more to my son, and it's going to mean more to me. Mm-hmm. To For the time. time mm-hmm. looking at those shoes than if I were to buy any of the shoes in that store for him. Time is the most expensive gift you can give. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first thing I'm hearing you say to parents, okay, is hard. You know, it's difficult to get them to look from the screen into your eyes. You need to invite them into a space, a communal space, you and them, special. And, you know, make it obvious that it's you and them and your, and this is your special time. Because what I learned in working with young people, they remember that. They That's remember right. the times that are not a big deal. To, do you remember when we did this? Well, not really. Well, I found, you know, I had the best time. And the thing about it is they'll remember stuff that was ridiculous. You know when it was storming and all these things happened and we made marshmallows in the fireplace? I love that. And I'm thinking, okay, I thought you wanted to go play tennis that day. No. You know, they love, they love the imperfections. They love that. And so, okay, now, empower, we've got that. I'm putting keywords down. Time, <laughs> quality time, okay. All right, intentional listening, I'm adding that one. Okay. And that's, that's an important one, too. So I want to tell you, earlier today I was taking my daughter somewhere, and, and my daughter's 14. She is not a talker, let me tell you. <laughs> she does not talk. And she would be perfectly content, you know, most of the time to be sitting there in silence. And I've learned, you know, I, I respect her space and I respect her and I don't force that. Uh-huh. But today, you know, we I was taking her somewhere and she is just talking and talking about this and that, and which is totally not normal. Uh-huh. And I remember my phone ringing and it was an important phone call. But I said, you know what? Ignore yeah. I did not take that phone call because I don't get those moments when yes. she is is engaged and telling me about what's going on in her life. Those are the moments that we need to take. The intentional, and to your point about them remembering, mm-hmm. they will remember those moments. Oh, you yeah. Know? And, and they remember the bad ones, too. Oh, yeah. They remember when, when 
you know, I know my kids will tell me, Dad, remember that time that you got really mad about something? I yes. said, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> they remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, and wait a minute. I am at the end of my toilet paper roll, and I can remember punishments <laughs> when I was nine years old, what That's it was right. for. But I also remember that my dad, on my sweet 16th birthday, gave me my first dozen roses and made mm -hmm. he handed me the take out the long stem, hold it tight, ouch, daddy, the thorn. He said, yeah, I want you to remember that about relationships. Don't hold them too tight. Let them breathe. Yeah. I'll never forget yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and I'm glad you let her talk. And I hope our conversation now is somebody is going, huh, okay, shoes, got it, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Ignoring a phone call when somebody is getting, when your child is getting, yeah, right, check, okay, this is good. Um, okay, we're going, actually, we're doing exactly what I want to happen, but I don't want us to not talk about uh, your organization now and the fact that it is international. And I want you to talk about the kinds of things you're doing, the dinner, everything. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I have to say, you know, uh, so thankful that, that God's given me the opportunity to be a part of, of such an incredible organization. And I can't say enough about the incredible team that we have at ATI and the incredible number of volunteers that are supporting our mission and our, our cause and our efforts. But Anti-Trafficking International is still built upon the same principles of prevention. Okay. One of the few organizations, Tyra, that really focuses on the prevention piece. Okay. So many other organizations are focused on restorative care, and that's really important. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But when we put all of our efforts into restoration, we get stuck in a cycle of rescue, restore, repeat. Yeah, and we're yeah, never breaking yeah. that cycle. You know, why why are we letting it happen in the first place? And and so that's really our focus at ATI is how can we implement programs that get out in front of the problem and stop human trafficking before it starts. Okay, let's talk about some of those because that's important. So a lot of – so we still have our, our prevention curriculum, which is what we were founded on. Okay. And we work directly with schools to implement prevention curriculum. Mm -hmm. We work with boys and girls clubs. We work with churches, particularly youth groups. Okay. Uh, we work with – yes. That's perfect. And the – and these are the groups, you know, anyone that's interacting with a child, anyone that has an opportunity to to engage in a very serious conversation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, our prevention, the, the work that we're doing around prevention is really around this empowerment piece, right? Because we, we're not trying to scare people. We're trying to empower them to understand mm -hmm. that there's a threat out there, but you can do something about it. Okay. Okay. Because because the traffickers, right, they they're, they want the path of least resistance. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna be, you know, coy to their manipulation and to their lies, they're gonna go find somebody else. In fact, we say the traffickers look for three things. They're only looking for three things. Okay. Because we know, you know, trafficking cuts across all races, ethnicities, genders. It's everywhere, right? It doesn't does not discriminate, and. 
the, but what traffickers look for is first and foremost, they look for access. Can mm. I get access to this individual? And of course, how do they do that through, through cell phones and mobile devices and online gaming and all this stuff? Then they look for, is there, can, how suggestible are they? And what we mean by that is, how easy is it for them to convince them that what I want them to do, this, this commercial sex, if you will, is normal or okay. Okay. And so they can really use a lot of the pop culture, right? Yeah. To, yeah. To, to really kind of convince them and say, well, look over here and look over here. Look what they're doing. And you can be making big money doing this. And they really take away the humanity, right? The, mm-hmm. You talk about relationships, right? And really understanding relationships and the beauty in relationships. They take all that away. And then the last thing they look for is a vulnerability. Yeah. And Tyra, we all have vulnerability. Yes. We all do. Right? But we've got to learn who we can trust, who we can who can support us. We mm-hmm. have to have healthy support networks. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we have a, a, a saying, a, what we teach it at ATI is three to succeed. And what that means is you need three. This is for adults, too, not just for kids. That's what I was going to so ask you. You need three. Yeah, absolutely. Three trusted persons or three trusted adults in your life that you know at two o'clock in the morning, things are going bad, you're in a bad situation, you know you can call that person and they'll be there for you. I love that. We all all need that in our lives. Three to succeed. Three Three trusted adults that can rescue you, support you. That's right mentor you, love you through a moment that you can't get through by yourself. And no judgment. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's the way I start. No judgment. Yes. Mm -mm. And then the three things that a trafficker would look for is access to that person, suggestibility, which says, look, this is normal, and somebody would assume that that's the truth and then vulnerability and that's when we are unable to step up to our best self and make a a wise choice Uh, that has a lot to do with how we don't feel worthy the vulnerability piece so we got three and three okay three things that traffickers look for three ways for us three pair uh, three trusted people to help us through that moment. Now, let me ask you something about your curriculum. Okay, I'm a school. I want this program because I have a sense that we're, we may have this problem because kids still go to school and can be trafficking, right? Absolutely. Okay, they can so. Be sleeping in their own beds at night. Exactly. So, what would I do as a guidance counselor or would it be a teacher? How do you, how do you interact with the school? So our program is unique because we come in and we we work with the school to determine where is the best place to put this curriculum where it's not a burden on teachers. It doesn't add instruction time or anything like that. And so it could be uh, it could be um, with the guidance counselors. It could be in a health and PE class. It could be in a biology class. So we work with the schools. So you let them leave. Okay, that's perfect. right. All right. So what would happen? We're here to empower the schools. Empower the school. Okay. That's right. Now, 
church is another whole thing because when we think of church, we think of morality, right? Uh, but anywhere there are people, <laughs> anywhere there are people, there is potential trouble. So That's right. when you talk about church and youth groups, how, how do you make entrance there? What do you do? So there is a, there is a morality aspect, of course, when anytime we're talking about sex or, or any of these other things. But we believe that everyone in the community plays a role in combating human trafficking and certainly in protecting our children. Yes. And so we go and, and the churches are a great opportunity to have that conversation. If they want to add in some morality to it, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, again, it goes back to the empowerment, right? We are all children. And really it comes down to this is a big piece of, of what we really focus on, and that is respect. Okay. Right? Okay. It's about respecting others and respecting yourself. Of Absolutely. Course. Yes. But, but a topic that we don't often talk about when we talk about human trafficking mm-hmm. is the demand. The people that are paying for the sexual services that allow the trafficker to exploit them in the first place. And so if we believe that if we teach respect for others, that we will also prevent people from demanding the services at the same time. So um, respect for others and respect for self. Say that again for me. I'm trying to make some notes. Absolutely. Yeah, so it is. It's about it's about having Are you there? Oh shoot. I cannot believe it. I think I lost him. Bill? Bill? I'm here. Oh, okay. I lost you for a minute. That's all right. That happens. Okay. We're all right. Uh, We were talking about respect. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's about, you know, it it is about, it's about respecting ourselves uh, for who we are and and certainly, you know, about being happy with who we are. Uh, But it's also about respecting others and realizing that other people are not a commodity. Right. I shouldn't be paying money for another person. That is a human being. Gotcha. Okay. That makes that makes really good sense. This this one is a chance for you to advertise. Okay, Mr. Bill, I want to be a volunteer in ATI. What do I what kind of skill set do I have to bring? How much time tell me how I would do that and, and make it a win win situation. The only skill that we require is passion for the cause. So anyone that wants to join the fight and against human trafficking and support ATI, we will find a place for you. We have an incredible team. Tyra, I'm so proud of this. We have over 70 volunteers that support our work. And those are volunteers all over the globe. We have volunteers in other countries Uh uh, that are working to support the work that we have. And, and what would they be doing? I, what would they be doing? So we have individuals that are doing um, communication support, helping with our communications, folks that do 
writing and research, uh, some folks that help with program development. And I'm really excited because we just launched a new program called our Community Ambassador Program. Okay. And this is a program where we train you how to go into your community, to go into your church, to go into your school, and to have that conversation and raise awareness around human trafficking. Okay, that makes good sense. It's like leading, leaders leading leaders. Okay. Absolutely. And you know your community better than we do, so get in there. Like, we want to empower you to be able to go into your community and help safeguard it against this threat. So you're investing, okay, I'm I'm potential volunteer because I plan to be. And tell me a time commitment. And apparently I have a lot of options, probably want to match what I offer you to a skill set that I bring. But I don't see you wanting people to come just for one opportunity, one hour. You want a relationship with your volunteers, right? Well, we, we always have a relationship with our volunteers, and they are part of the ATI family for sure. Okay. And we have an incredible volunteer coordinator. Her name is Elizabeth Lee. And so folks that reach out, and so they can go to our website, and they can submit you know, a request, hey, I'd like to, to volunteer for your organization. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth will meet with them virtually and, and have a conversation and learn about what their passions are, what their interests are, and, and if they have any special skills. So, you know, Tyra, for example, uh, we would love to put you on our upcoming podcast team. Uh, and, ah, and yes. that work. <laughs> <laughs> Gee. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are great matchmakers, let me tell you. <laughs> well, um, actually, um, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that offline. And oh, while we're talking about it, if someone wants to participate or volunteer, tell them how to get in touch with you or ATI. They can go to our website, which is www.preventht.org, or they can give us a call, 1-833-ASK-TO-END. Oh, I like that. Ask to end. That's perfect. Okay, so now you have filled us with information. What I love and I want us to remember the, the thrust or the driving principle of ATI is prevention. You want to keep people from becoming a statistic so we don't have to get into rescue, restore, or repeat. So that's what ATI's prevention and that you do, your curriculum is appropriate for, and you do work with schools and churches and youth groups. And the three things that traffickers look for in a person, a potential person is access to that person, suggestibility, and vulnerability. But what you're teaching in your program, and I love this, three to succeed, to know of three adults in your life that can uh, be there for you, that no matter when or where, you know that they will be there for you. I think that's pretty good for anybody in their lives, not just young people. We all need, we all need, yeah, we all need someone to help us succeed in this life because we're all vulnerable. I want to ask another thing of you. If uh, you had a blank check 
what would you do to mitigate the issues of human trafficking as they are today? We know Benjamin Franklin said uh, an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. And, you know, I've certainly seen that uh, in my career and the work that I've done. And really what I would do is I would write a check to make sure that our prevention program could get into the hands of every child across this globe. And I would make sure that because that prevention program, Tyra, teaches everything that we've talked about tonight, it teaches the value of the individual, it teaches them what to look out for, it teaches them that three to succeed. And I truly believe that we were able to get that prevention curriculum. I'm losing you. I'm going to interrupt you. How is your line? Because I'm getting some static. Are you okay? Oh, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear. Okay. All right. Because I... I I'm gonna, we're going to keep going. I'm not going to cut this off because it's too good. The audience will understand we are perfectly imperfect, but this is important. So let's keep going. You've got a blank check. Yeah, so we're, we're getting that prevention curriculum into the hands of every child across the globe. And it's, it's because it teaches that empowerment. And I truly believe that if we empower our youth, we help them to understand their value. We help them to respect themselves and respect others, then not only, Tyra, will we bring an end to human trafficking, but we'll make the world such a better place. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Oh, my goodness. The thing that, to me, is the most challenging about human trafficking is it's almost invisible. You know, we feel and see the impact. Talk about, this is something that we talked about uh, in 2018. Why is... For those that are international listeners, we are in Northern Virginia in the United States. But why is Virginia such an easy access place? Well, I think there's there's two reasons. The first reason is because, one, there's money here, right? And traffickers are drawn to money. They okay. want to make money. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is, you know, you, you bring up a good point that human trafficking is invisible, but it is hidden in plain sight. Yes. And so I want to share very quickly, this was just back in December, so just a few months ago, I was boarding a plane from Atlanta coming back to Washington, D.C., and I got to the the terminal areas I was boarding, uh, preparing to board the plane, and a group of three individuals caught my attention. I started observing the individuals for a short, very short period of time, overheard their conversation, I watched them board the airplane. As I watched them board the airplane, I said, this is human trafficking. Mm -hmm. These are two young girls, and they're being trafficked by this. It was an older woman that was with them. Mm -hmm. I got on the plane, and I'm no longer a detective at this time. You know, I'm just working working in the field. And so I I sit down in my seat, and I lean over to the flight attendant as we're taxiing out. And I say, listen, I, I don't mean to ruin your day, but I have to tell you, there's two victims of human trafficking on your flight and the trafficker. And so her first response was, oh, my goodness, how do you know? So I explained to her my credentials and how I knew. Mm-hmm. And then she said, her next question was, well, what do I do about it? And I said, well, what do you mean, what do you do about it? Like, report it. You know, let people know, like, we're, we're going to D.C. Let people know at the airport so they can interdict the flight. Mm-hmm. Do you know, Tyra, they would not call ahead. They would not re- let law enforcement or anyone else know what was happening on this airplane because they weren't quote, 100% sure. 
And that really frustrated me. Luckily, I was able to um, send an email to some folks that I still knew, uh, and they were able to interdict the flight and and rescue. And and sure enough, they were two juvenile victims of trafficking. Mm. But if I hadn't been there or or interdicted that situation and, and called ahead, those girls would still be being exploited today. And what and, what you just talked about, though, is our culture today. Yeah, we. You know, I I remember growing up. What what is it? It takes a village. I remember Absolutely. growing up. If I was out in the street or away from home, I misbehaved. By the time I got home, my mother knew I misbehaved. I had been chastised by someone else who witnessed it, and then I was punished at home. And so we we have this kind of thing hands off hands off mm-hmm. and and we see things going wrong i in airports i i saw a mother at one point she was so frustrated and tired and she wasn't managing her child well and i and i you know i said how you doing you know looks like the baby's having I said do you want me to rock it for a while sit here and rock the baby you know we don't we don't do that you know, this woman right. was ready to pull her hair out, and I was worried she was going, you know, pull the baby's hair out as well. But um, we have got to, oh, we're just preaching now. People have, it, it's a, it's a, not a head-to-head. It's a heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit thing that we must move into at this point in time. And let me bridge, I have, you, you wrote me a letter to your younger self and read it. Uh, when we met last time, and this time I said, instead of a letter, what would you say to parents to help them be more aware, help them to perhaps know some of the telltale signs they could see in their child? Um, what kinds of things would you say to them? And I don't want the show to get up, to get too short before you share this information. Would you do that now? I would, Tyra. And, and you know, I, I just want parents to know, despite all the frustrations and the challenges with raising children, we have to remember what an incredible blessing they are. And I know that when we come home from the hospital, they don't come home with an instruction manual. <laughs> but we really have to put the effort into not only understanding what's right and wrong and what we need to provide, the temporal things, Mm -hmm. but we need to nourish their spiritual being, their emotional selves. We need to be there for our children in a way that is uncomfortable, in a way that is not always natural. And we need to be willing to make those sacrifices because they need to understand that they're special. They need to understand that they're loved because if we're not willing to tell them that, if we're not willing to convince them of that, if we're not willing to push ignore on that important phone call to make them feel that, then the traffickers will. Yes. And the traffickers will take advantage of them and they will take our precious children, our innocent children, and they will abuse and exploit them in ways that many of us can't even fathom. And sometimes when that occurs in a family, the child responds by shame 
becoming a shame. And shame is something like, it's different than guilt. Guilt, you know, I did something wrong, I can change my behavior. But shame is so powerful. It's like, if uh, I did something bad, I am that bad thing. And we we don't want our children to walk into the place of of shame because that leads to all kinds of uh, sad behaviors. So shame is something that uh, parents can help erase through love and confidence. But um, wow, 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 this is powerful. And you none know. of us should be ashamed. None I, of us should be ashamed. We all make mistakes, Tyra. We I, are, know. I I love how you say we are perfectly imperfect. <laughs> it is so true. And I think, you know, we, we have to remember that. We have to remember that in this space. And, you know, our, our children will make mistakes. I, in my age, make mistakes every single day. Oh, yeah. But none of us, none of us deserves to ever be exploited the way these traffickers exploit young people. I know. I know. And one thing I wanted to say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, since I met Bill, I have done a lot of reading, and and there are podcasts. You can Google this. You can understand to spot the signs. You can share up-to-date education. So if you're wondering, well, gee, I don't know, well, there's no reason not to know. This is a time where technology can be on your side. And right. my, my, my suggestion is use it. And, uh, oh, gosh, Bill, you've been wonderful. I just I can't thank you enough. And, uh, yes, I am going to volunteer and stay on the line after the show. We'll talk about that. But let me do, you know, I like to always end the show on a positive note. There are days when people are tired of being tired, you know, and they need to be reminded. And so I call it my soul food. And tonight I'm going to offer a lifeline, and I want you to listen very carefully. I want to share some things that your mirror and some you call friends won't tell you. First, you opened two gifts this morning. They were your eyes. Every day you wake up, it is God saying to you, it's not over. You are more than what you have become. Second, although we share many common attributes and qualities, each of us came with a unique set of fingerprints. Each of us is a designer's original, created to do what no one else can do. Just imagine looking at you saying, hey there, you are a miracle. You are important. You are stronger than you feel, stronger than depression, stronger than suicide. You are smarter than you think. You have multiple intelligences. You are more beautiful than you believe. How many of you know that the ugly duckling was always a swan? You are more loved than you can ever believe. Your story has not been read. I want you to refuse to be refused. 
My guest today has been Mr. Bill Wolf, founder and chief operating officer of ATI, a lighthouse keeper in the area of human trafficking. You've been listening to Radio Fairfax in Fairfax, Virginia. On your TV, computer, or mobile device, remember we are webcast worldwide on the Internet. WWW Radio Fairfax, every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Your seat at the table is guaranteed. I look forward to next time. Until then, promise me you're going to treat yourself like someone you love. This is Tyra G, living intentionally and loving you.